Okay, I want you to observe this, because it's going to be a reference point in a few minutes. Yeah. Isn't this January? This is January, okay? Especially Saginaw, Michigan. We've all felt it. Look at that. Wouldn't the kids love that? (laughs) Yeah. So so, as you have observed that, yep, yep, the only thing that stopped him was, matter of fact, if that'll keep running, just keep it running until I get to the point about this, okay? And so, yeah, that's fine, yep. I have a question for you all. January 2020, it's the whole year is ahead of us. It's exciting. And so with that excitement of, yes, it's not too late to make my goals and to make my plans and to make my resolutions. It's still January of 2020. With the whole year ahead of us, as the Lord allows, here's my question. Ready? What's your plan? What is your plan? Now, your response can be varied. For instance, some of you might be thinking, my plan? I don't make plans. I just try to get through today. <laughs> uh, my, plan, my plan is to make it through next week. Or perhaps you're thinking, well, you know what? I really don't like to make plans because my plans never turn out the way I want. Or some may be thinking in my question, what is your plan? Well, you know, I'm one of those kind of spontaneous people. I, I'm just, I just let the day happen, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a free, I'm a free mover through my day. So I really don't have a plan. Um, to all of you who had that response, I want to say to you, I'm so glad you're in Sunday school. Do you know why? God has a plan he wants you to know, and it's a good plan. It's a plan for life. Look at your cookie. On your cookie, you have a butterfly. The butterfly is always symbolic of what? Life. What is the butterfly always symbolic of? Life. God has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life, but you've got to know the plan. You've got to know his plan or you're not going to know life. Matter of fact, scripture, you know what scripture says about God's life? He says that it's even abundantly life. It's not just existing. It's not our heart beating. It's not getting through today. No, it's abundant life. But you've got to have God's plan. Now, for those of you who do plan, who do make goals, resolutions, and it's January and it's a fresh new page, I encourage you to make sure that your plan coordinates with God's plan because it's so easy for us to have our plans and to get sidetracked. Something that we're going to get into in the lesson that helped me years ago in the child-rearing years when my great purpose was to have my children love the Lord with all their heart, with all their strength, and with all their soul. Knowing the great percentage of PKs that end up walking away from their faith, it, it was imperative. I had a plan, and I made a plan for every day, and I set up goals. Now, having a plan has two parts to it. You make the plan, but what happens when your plan goes awry? Hmm. Did any of you make plans this past week, and it just blew apart? Yeah, all kinds of things. And we're going to talk about how when you make a plan, it defines your purpose. 
What is your plan to find girls? Your purpose. That's why it's so important to make a plan and not go back to the excuse of, well, I don't like to make plans. No. God has a purpose and a plan for you and me to live today and throughout this year. And when I make a plan, it reveals and, it's, and it nails down my purpose, my purpose for today. So I have to have a plan to define my purpose. But what happens when my plans get blown apart? Aha. Is God in control? Amen. God is in control. For instance, I remember the father-son retreat where Todd was at this retreat, and he was a shade of green. And we knew something was wrong. This was two years ago? Two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. And he went in, and they discovered cancer. Karen and Todd's plans changed. But ready? Not their purpose. Now, this is what you have to define in your head every day. God, keep me true to my purpose to live for you today, and we're going to talk about the instruction God gives about how we do that. Here's my plan. Here's my God-given plan. It begins with this morning saying, Lord, thank you for this day. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, Father, as my plan, if my plans change, if you are going to rearrange my plans, let me stay true to your purpose. Back to the girl's child and Clint. You know, when Clint came, when God gave Clint to us, all my plans changed. All my goals changed, not just for a season, not just for a little while, not until he got over it, but for a lifetime, my plans were changed. It's God's good plan for my life, and now God says, child, I'm going to instruct you what to do today with this big change of plans. God is instructing Karen and Todd. God is instructing Tim and Diane. God is instructing Tammy. As a new plan came in, she wasn't planning on this, but in this life, life is filled with this trouble. God says, you're going to have trouble, but I've got a plan for your trouble. Girls, as, as born-again believers in Christ, this is the sweet truth. God has a plan for everything in my day, every detail. He has a plan for my trouble. He has a plan for my triumphs. He has a plan for my family. He has a plan for my feelings. He has a plan for my feelings. We are so feeling-oriented. He has a plan for my finances. You've got to get God's plan. Read your cookie. God's plan. It's on there. So having laid that foundation about it's imperative that, that we have a plan, let me tell you another reason why. It's, it's fine. Yep, thanks, Daniel. Isn't that sweet? That's good. So I'll tell you who does have a plan. For those of you who don't want to make a plan, I'll tell you who does have a plan. Satan has a plan. For every born-again believer, Peter writes, Satan goes about as a roaring lion, seeking. That's a plan, seeking. He has a plan to destroy, to devour every born-again child of God. He's got a plan. That's why it's imperative that we take God's plan, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, number one, acknowledge. I need a plan for 2020. It's still January. It's not too late. Get your plan. <clears throat> now, our plans and our goals are made in reference to what I need. All right? That's the first line of plan making. Um, immediate needs, future needs, big needs, little needs. Turn to the lady next to you and say, you're really needy. Tell her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And, and girls, we are. We are so needy. In, in all of the needs that we have, we don't even address the fact that often we walk through our days and we don't even know what we need. We think we know what we need, but God says, child, you have no clue. Unless you have that time in God's word and you are submitting your moments to the Lord, often I don't even know what I need. We are so very needy. I have something I do every January. It's in reference to a need. I need to stop eating all the holiday goodies. <laughs> okay, all of the extra treats, the breads, the cookies, the candies, the cakes. My word, from November through December, you know, we are just on this sweet sugar high. And so every year I do this very same thing. I declare a sugar fast on myself for a number of days. And the plan to make that work is I clean out my cupboards. Okay, you always have a purpose and then you make a plan that feeds that purpose. So I clean out my cupboards and I get rid of all the extras. Well, a number of days, this, this was a while back when this happened, a number of years ago. A while back, um, I had done this and all of a sudden, you know, it was the middle of the afternoon and I was getting ready to go do something, but all of a sudden my body just was screaming for yeah, I need sugar. I go to my cookie bakery cupboard. There's not, there's not even any more semi-sweet chocolate morsels that I love. You know, that's my, that's my secret stash. All the candy I've either given away, I've given it away, I've given it away, or I've used it. I do keep some stuff for baking because I'm always baking. But there, there was nothing here. I'm going through all my, my Tupperware to look, to look for my cookies. I mean, I, I was like a bloodhound. I was sick. I was sniffing. I was searching. Nothing. I stood there and I said, there is not a cookie in the... Clint didn't even have Oreos. There's not a cookie in this house. That's okay. I have plan B. Back then, you know what my plan B was? When I got desperate? No. Butterfingers. Butterfingers. I always, back then, I, was, I, always, I always said, Doug knew I loved Butterfingers. And so he would just bring them home and put them up in my candy cupboard. My Butterfingers. My Butterfingers have to be here. I knew I had just seen them. That was not in the stash that I got rid of. So I'm, I look up and there's no Butterfingers. And Doug heard me. And he started laughing. And I said, what? And he said, Kathy, you know those Butterfingers you had? I said, yeah, where are they? He said, well, I had some guys with me. They came over, and I gave them to them. I said, all of them? There were like six of them, you know? And I thought, you know what? Sometimes what I will often do is I will just eat a half a Butterfinger, and then I'll save the other half for the next day. So I'm continually taking this stuff up. I reach back, and I hear the crinkle. And sure enough, there's a half a Butterfinger with the edge pulled back and pulled over the raw edge. And I went, yes! And I took it and I chewed it. And it was this wonderful caramel and, and wafer and chocolate and toffee. And, oh, I was just so savoring it. Can't you taste the Butterfinger? Can't you? Does somebody really need a Butterfinger really bad right now? Oh, you do? Okay, they are like favorites, you know. That's where I was at. Knees. Okay, 
Obviously, we have needs, and we make a plan according to our needs. Now, with all of the surface fun and even silly needs that we have in the course of a day, I've not addressed what we truly, truly need to need. need. Thank you, baby. We need to know the God of our salvation. It is our greatest need. It's imperative that I live today knowing that I need to know him in a better way. And he longs to accomplish that in my life. He's more excited than, than anybody when I say, Father, I need to walk with you today. I need to know you in all the moments of my day. Well, all the angels in heaven start applauding because I'm finally getting it. And God has even written down in scripture how I can know what I need and how I can prepare, how I can get God's plan for today, for Sunday, January 26, 2020. God has a plan, and he writes it out for us. David, uh, one of my goals that I've made this past January is to memorize big sections of Psalm 119. I love Psalm 119. It's so rich and it's so full. And in Psalm 119, um, David writes, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's just so many really, really good instructions. He also writes in Psalm 86, 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord. Psalm 86, we did a whole series of lessons on this one scripture. Teach me thy way, O Lord. He understood I need to be taught. Solomon sums up the plan for us in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. I'd like you to turn there. Ecclesiastes, it's right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Solomon, the wisest man that has ever lived, writes, and this is after he tried everything. He had a whole lot of plans. He accomplished a lot of plans. And then he said, this is what the best plan is. This is the only plan. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Girls, this is from where we write our plan for today. Dear Lord, make my prayer. And fearing God is, is a reverential awe of God. It's understanding who he is. Father, help me all day today as I keep your commandments. Let, and whatever that is, make that part of your plan for today. And then God instructs us with what's on your cookie. I just love this part. God's plan for me today is to honor him and live on purpose. So look at your cookie again. What's on it? Ants. You've got ants on your cookie. So now turn to your Bible to Proverbs 30, 24 and 25. The ants. And whoever has that, would you read that for me? Proverbs 30, 24 and 25. Okay, now look at that, girls. There are four things that are very what? No, 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 no. Little, little, but exceeding wise. What else is, how else is that ant described? Not only is it little, but it's what? What's well, weak. It is weak. It is weak. It is not strong. It is very weak. So here's God saying, Kathy, consider this ant. Matter of fact, 
in Proverbs, in Proverbs 6, 6. I, I love this. Go to the ant, Kathy. And actually it says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. See, if I don't get a plant, <clears throat> my faith will be sluggish. My purpose will be, will be evaporating. Go to the ant. So what is the ant going to teach me about making my plan for 2020? First of all, understand that the ant is very, very small. The ant is very, very weak. But they don't use their smallness or their weakness as an excuse to do nothing or quit. The ant does not say can't. It does not use... And I have to take this instruction and say, Kathy, what are you excusing yourself from all the time? Say, well, I can't do that. I, I can't be that. I can't have that. I stay stuck in my smallness and in my weakness, and God can't do anything through me because I'm living in my can't. And God says very clearly here, the ant, the ant is very small and it's very weak. But because it's wise, ready, it prepares. That's a plan. So what does that say to you and me? That says to you and me when we have a can't come into our life. God, I am weak in this can't. And I feel overwhelmed in this can't. But you have promised me, even as you've given me the instruction and the view of a tiny little insect that you have made. And that ant accomplishes things that would challenge you and me. And you've said, look at the ant, Kathy. I have given this small, weak insect the ability to move mountains. And I'm going to move through you. And as we submit that can't to our loving Father, we then say, Father, give me your plan for this can't in my life. What's the next right thing you want to accomplish in me? Now, he gives us this example of the ant being little and small and weak, and yet it does great things. The way ants colonize and socialize and the way they build other colonies, it, it puts most of us to shame, the way they plan and they work. They're really little, they're really weak, but they do big things. You know what? God says... Kathy, don't be sluggish in your faith or in your planning because I want to do big things through you. And sadly, ironically, we who are big, we who have so many abilities and so many opportunities, you know what? We get destroyed by little things. Scripture even says that. It says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We get so deterred from our purpose by little things. For instance, we, instead of being strong, we're, we're made weak by little things, little things that, that annoy us, little things that can totally change the direction of our day or our mood. What are some little things that annoyed you this morning that got you off track from your purpose to honor God, to glorify God, to live, to walk with him? Little things, unnecessary comments, negative people, they can so throw us off course if, if I don't have a prepared plan. Do you know God has a plan for you and me for every little offense that comes into our day? He has a plan written down for it. Oh, 
Well, what could the plan be? What could God's plan be for me to use when somebody irritates me or, or when I fail over something silly or little or when something just doesn't go my way according to my plan? What's God's plan for that? God has a plan for it. Here it is. Ready? Psalm 119, this great chapter I'm striving to memorize. Psalm 119, 165. Ready? It's not little. It's big. He says, he starts it out, great peace. Now, that little thing that irritated you, that small thing that got you off track, that little thing, God's got something great to apply to it. He says, great peace have they which love thy law, and what? Nothing, nothing shall, does that mean nothing irritating is going to happen? No, that's, that's not what that verse means at all. It means that God has a plan so that when these obviously irritating, little frustrating things happen, God has a plan for us to apply to it that's going to call for us to use our faith, and my faith is going to grow because of this opportunity, this opportunity that has come through some negative person. Next time you're dealing with a negative person, you can look at her or him and say, thank you, thank you. This is my opportunity. For instance, um, this happened years ago. Doug and I were traveling together, and something irritating came up. It was a little thing, okay? And Doug called me David Kendall. That's my dad's name. And it was not meant in a complimentary way. Now, the first year that we were married, we made a pact because we, we saw how this was so destructive. I would call him Ray, and he would call me David, okay? And we made a pact. We will not call each other our father's names. I promise this is not what we will do when we are irritated with each other. So Doug called me David Kendall, and uh, I turned to him and I said, now we agreed that we are not going to call each other our father's names. Well, instead of apologizing and saying he's sorry, which Doug was always and is always so quick to do, he's, he's speedier in that realm than I am. I always have these justifications. Well, see, that's what he was doing. Instead of just saying, I'm sorry, and by the way, back then, sorry really meant sorry. It's not like today's sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. I am so weary. I'm sorry. But back then, don't I sound old? <laughs> I really sound dated, don't I? Sorry really meant sorry. And I wanted him to say he was sorry because he, we had made this promise to each other, and he broke it. Instead of saying he was sorry, do you know what he started doing? Giving me all the reasons why he called me David Kendall. I didn't want to hear that. What did I want to hear, girls? Yeah. Now, when that happened, oh, let me tell you about this. Another part of this two-edged piercing sword that cutting words wield. When, when you and I are offended, and it, it's a fact of life, it's as daily as breathing. When we are offended, it's never just that offense that bothers us. All our problems invade. In other words, cutting words or, or negative people, that it's like, it's like a sword that pierces your heart. We choose what we hold in our heart. And when that cut comes in and severs, peace leaves, but even worse than that, all my problems invade my heart. And it's never just this one thing. And all of a sudden, you know, when this happened, I can remember as plain as day, you know what my next thought was? 
when he started giving me reasons why he said what he said, like, oh, I don't even want to be here. I'm only on this trip because you want me to be on this trip. This was not in my plan. All of these immediately start, you know. And the Holy Spirit, this is the blessing of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, pressed upon me, Kathy, stop. Stop. See, I wanted to go back and give Doug all the reasons why he shouldn't have said all the reasons he was saying to me. And it's just empty. It's, God calls it vain talking, empty talking. It just keeps building the mud bigger and bigger. It certainly was not edifying. It certainly was not going to bring healing. It certainly wasn't going um, to be profitable. It wasn't kind. It was just empty talking. And the Holy Spirit says, Kathy, stop. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, when you recall scripture in the, in the heat of that disagreement or that moment or that irritation, immediately it sets your mind on a different route. That is the power of the word of God. We can get so off track by little things, and God says, I will bring you right back because my word is what, girls? Powerful. It is quick. It is a two-edged sword. I've got something that's going to bring great healing and even build your faith in the middle of this offense if you will have a plan to use it. And all of this happens, girls, in split, split seconds. So, great peace of they which love thy law. That thought stopped all of the other thoughts. It's like, it's like a bag of big boulder marbles. You remember you're playing with the marbles as kids? When, when you are hurt, when I'm offended, those marbles just start tumbling out of the bag. And it's never just the one offensive one. It's all, everything, you know, life is rotten. Let me, let me explain to you how rotten it is. And they all just start tumbling out. And girls, we should not go through our day losing our marbles multiple times. <laughs> we just shouldn't. It's wrong, and it's an indicator that, ready, I don't have a plan. Now, here's, here's God's plan. With, with, with the marbles, he says, and in all of this, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Immediately, I was impressed with the fact that Kathy stopped talking. So, with an arched eyebrow and a sultry voice, I turned and looked at my husband, and I said, I love you, and I forgive you. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, I love you too. Immediately, the healing is there. Matter of fact, there is strength in the relationship because we both immediately responded. Now, there are times, because I know if I could read your minds, all of you are saying, well, my husband never say sorry. <laughs> That's fine. You are healed. God's healing, God's filling, God's joy, God's peace is not circumstantial on other people. And when you get a hold of that truth, you start living so much stronger, so much more in victory because it's not dependent upon everything being right all the time. And so 
get a plan for the many offenses. Um, the many little ways to exercise our faith. They will always come in the form of irritants. Please know that. And I mean, Paul said it best. Here he is in prison. He says, I glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest in me and be seen and be seen. They will always come in the form of irritants. So, for instance, siblings arguing, step in with my faith, not my force. Um, running behind schedule, sing. This is what I do all the time. Sing, literally sing out loud. Sing in accordance to the rush that you're feeling. Sing in accordance that nothing is going your way. Well, how do you sing like that? Heaven is better than this. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, sing. It literally will remove so much stress from this being pushed by life. Learn to sing. Um, it stops me from snapping. Panic rising to your throat. Panic. A horrible news. Um, a car sliding on the ice. Panic. Immediately pray. But girls, these are all plans that you pray over in the morning before your day begins. You've got a plan. Matter of fact, in reference, in reference to when I was so convicted one of the first times with these arguments as, as a newlywed, I remember saying, Lord, this just isn't fair. And again, what I prayed that morning, every day since Doug and I have been married, part of my plan and my devotional time begins praying, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. Do you know what the word redeemer means? It means something that's been trashed is going to be made new again. Something that is useless is going to be made and put to good use again. Do I need that? Because I trash so many of my moments, God says, I'll redeem them. I'll redeem them, Kathy. Let the words of my mouth. And so that's why it's so imperative that you have God's word in your mind. You've got to have a plan to have it in your mind so that when those offenses come, when those panic time comes, when those, those fearful time comes, you've got God's word to put in action in your head. Let me talk about fear for just a minute. Fear. Um, what do you do with fear? First of all, you don't pray your fear. You give God the problem. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lord, I'm giving this to you. I don't know what I'm going to do. Do not use the littleness of me or the weakness of me as an excuse to go forward. Don't say, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't do this. Don't reference what we can't do because God says, this is how you pray. I have brought this into your life, or I have allowed this into your life, and I want to be powerful in it. And so my prayer is, Lord, I am so afraid. But you tell me that perfect love casteth out fear. And so, Father, based on that, you know what is happening here, and you know what's going to happen. You are the God of goodness. You are the God that doeth all things well. Your grace is more than efficient. You have promised me I have everything for life and godliness. And you begin praying God's power, 
God's sufficiency and God's goodness when you are filled with fear. And you pray it until the fear passes. I can't tell you how I battled fear when Clint was born. I don't even have words to describe it, but I tell you this, it was a long time before I could breathe and not have pain. God's in control. And coming and finding that beautiful truth. If you heard, if you heard sweet Carissa Hutter's testimony, it is the essence of that. If you heard James Jacobs' testimony, it is the essence of that. It is having a change of plan come into your life. Wow, I didn't expect this. And then the fear immediately takes over, and then the plan is your choice. God, you have a plan in this. And the plan isn't even to get over it or to get through it. The plan goes back to the grand purpose that is written in Isaiah. Did I have you turn to Isaiah? I need to have you turn to Isaiah. Let me see if I can find it. The grand purpose goes back to this in Isaiah. Um, I will get to it because I'm skipping a whole lot of other stuff. Our, our purpose is to live for his glory is what Isaiah writes. But let me see if I can. It's Isaiah, I think, 40. Let me see. Okay, I'll find it in my Bible because I know my Bible better than my notes. Isaiah 43, verse number 7. If you have not, make, it, make this a plan to memorize this, girls. It has everything to do with your plan. Even everyone that is called by my name, raise your hand if you're called by his name, all right? Here's your plan. I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. We are made for God's glory. And so when our plans are changed because God brings something into our life or God allows something in our life, it does not deter us from our purpose to live for his glory. We simply seek God's plan. And as we begin to put God's plan into action, we, we are empowered by God. God, it's God in us. It's not Kathy. It's not Hiel. It's not Cindy. We are weak and we are small and we totally know all about that. We're going to stop using that as an excuse and we're going to take God's good word and we're going to find his plan. So when something today, this afternoon, goes awry, whether it's an offense or it's unexpected news or it's a disappointment, don't, your first thought may be, oh, great. Your second thought needs to be, I need to get God's plan. Because God has a plan just for that thing. Let me finish with this last illustration. And I don't know if we'll take half of this lesson that I didn't get through for next week or whether we'll get into our February because February is the month of love. I will pray about it and we'll see because there's so much I didn't give you. But let me give you this last illustration. Uh, Edith Schaefer, she was wife of the late philosopher Francis Schaefer. Uh, they had a big conference center in Switzerland in which they would do huge conferences and teaching. She had a young girl named Jane helping her prepare a meal for weekend guests, and she started on Edith's special sponge cake recipe. Concerned by the looks of the batter, she took it to Edith, who immediately knew something was wrong. It was a strange mixture, yellow, sticky, and gluey. They reread the recipe and realized that she had overlooked the sugar. <laughs> and it was too late to add it. 
Jane wanted to throw it away and start over, but Edith said, oh, no, we can't. We can't afford to. And she contemplated an alternative. What could they do with egg, salt, baking powder, flour, and water? That night, the guests had not sponge cake for dessert, but chicken noodle soup for dinner. And all 30 people around the table exclaimed that they had never tasted such delicious chicken noodle soup. Edith smiled across the table at Jane and remarked, not sponge cake, but marvelous noodles, which are just as important. And she said, Jane, don't forget this. Don't ever forget that if you can't be a sponge cake because of having spoiled something which you can't go back and do over or something coming into your life, the Lord can make you into marvelous noodles. Just say to yourself, anytime you feel you have blown it or anytime you're in fear, I can't be sponge cake now, but I can be noodles. <laughs> amen and amen. Girls, get God's plan. It's on your cookie. This afternoon when you brew your tea or your coffee, 